Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for taking time to join us today on this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. You know, I love to talk about being a business partner of choice. And what does that mean? And what does it mean in today's fast-paced world that people will know who you are before you even shake their hand, that they will see you as this reputable, trusting, and earnest company? While our guest is a fabulous person to talk on this topic. He has written the book, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win. It was a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, countless articles. So I want to, let's get started with Jonathan Kaiser. Welcome, Jonathan. Um, thank, you for, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, give everybody a little bit more on who you are. And I'm going to say what trustworthy business you have in the world today. <laughs> well, first of all, if you, you know, if you want to find out something about someone, just ask their wife. And I'm sure my wife has lots of stories of where I'm not the greatest in the world. But um, so I have a kind of unique story. I, I grew up in uh, Papua New Guinea. I was a Christian missionary kid. And my parents taught me to love and serve. And when we came back from overseas, I had the rude uh, awakening that we were poor and that everybody else around us had stuff and I wanted stuff. So I decided I was going to be rich. So I got into commercial real estate after college because I was told I could get rich. And as I got in, I realized really quickly, wow, this is a cutthroat, take no prisoners, dog eat dog industry. But I became that way because I thought that's what it took to be successful. Because again, I had this idea that what my parents taught me to love, serve, give, help, do the right thing led to the poor house. And I didn't want to be poor. Yeah, that those but, values don't align with money on the surface. On the surface, you're exactly right. And I felt I felt trapped, right? Because I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to be the guy that I was, you know, in alignment with my values, but I wanted the success more. And then 20 some years ago, I went to a conference and a speaker introduced me to this idea of success through selfless service, this idea of succeeding by helping others succeed. And I was moved and inspired uh, ended up reinventing myself, um, and today we've built one of the largest independent commercial real estate advocacy slash brokerage firms uh, around the world uh, of our type that exclusively represents the occupier or the tenant of commercial real estate. We don't represent landlords. We don't rep represent developers. But really what's more important is we bring this spirit of what can I do to help you in everything that we do? So the reason we've had so much success is because we spend our time investing in helping others, and that creates this unbelievable relationship. It creates an unbelievable opportunity, and then that in turn comes around, and we get, you know, we're a referral-based business, and, and truthfully, uh, it's hard to keep up sometimes. We have so many referrals. So it, it's been a really wonderful journey. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary uh, and the name of the company is Kaiser, which happens to be my last name. So I didn't have to really look too far for that. But it's 
it's really a, a blessing to be able to help people and still be financially successful. So when I wrote the book, the idea was showing others how they in their own business could do the same thing. Because if I could do it in arguably one of the most cutthroat, ruthless industries in the world, in my opinion, anyone can do it. Well, I want to say some nice things about you. So um, so our listeners know that the Silicon Review has named you all one of the top 50 most tr- trustworthy companies in America, um, and that you've also been named as a top social capital CEO. Um, so I'm, I'm sharing that just because I like to bring guests on that I always say to my network, this is somebody you want to add to your LinkedIn network. Like they might not ever, Jonathan, come directly do business with you. They might, you might hope they do, but they might not, but there's still so much to learn from you. Um, on this topic of selfless leadership, I know you also teach courses and you do other things. So, so give us an example of, um, if you were going to reform like a bad boy and, and cutthroat, you know, business, and it's not just commercial real estate, right? Even just like, I talk to so many entrepreneurs and company founders, and I think they're sometimes surprised that other entrepreneurs and company founders are cutthroat against one another. Um, you know, so how would you reform these uh, bad boys of business, so to speak? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I started out bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as a, you know, an entrepreneur saying, I'm going to change people. What I found is that you don't, you don't, people can't be changed. They have to want it. They have to want. So what I decided is we're going to show them that it's possible. And hopefully that inspires them to try to do the same thing. But some of the hardest times in growing my business were trying to get people that talked a good game, but really were all about themselves um, to, in my, in my term back then was rehabilitate. Cause I felt, Hey, I've been rehabilitated. I can help others. Most people don't want to be rehabilitated, but you know, the, the other part of your question is I am, I'm always astounded by how everyone on one hand seems to know that helping others and paying it forward and, and, and giving you shall receive is a good strategy but yet, and they use it in their personal lives. They use it in their social circles. They use it with their families, their kids, et cetera. And then they go out into business and they completely shift and they put on their tough suit and they go fight, fight, fight and think that that's what they got to do to get ahead. And for me, it's like, why? And I think the reason is there's not enough examples of people showing that like the title of my book, you don't have to be ruthless to win. So that's the inspiration. When I speak, when I write, when I travel and teach, all of that is around trying to show others that, that it, again, it, it's possible. Is it the easy way? No. Is it the, is it the immediate, you know, instant gratification? No. Uh, it's the long game. But for me, my life is so rich because of the relationships that I have because I've invested in people, right? I've been, instead of burning bridges everywhere like I used to do and trampling on people for my own benefit, now I try to help everyone that I can selflessly and it comes back around in spades. Our success as a company is proof of that. And all of the people at Kaiser, they all do the same thing. They all live that same principle of succeeding by helping others. And so you have this kind of communal aspect of selflessness that really is unique and special in the world. And I think that at the end of the day, 
people want to know they're not being sold. They want to know that the people care about them. They want to know that, you know, somebody really got their back. And so to me, all the traditional sort of tricky sales tactics are the exact opposite of really creating fundamentally strong, long-term sustainable relationships. And regardless of what industry you're in, relationships matter, right? And that, and that's, that is the currency. 100%. I think what you're talking about, it, it also extends just even to contracts and negotiations. Um, I've been you know, around the block a couple of times doing this a long time. And I'm like, I, I don't want to create a lopsided contract with somebody, right? Because if, if you create a contract that is too lopsided, now I'm not talking about like a, a, an immediate purchase. I'm talking about a relationship service kind of contract. Um, and it's not in good faith. It, it will come back and hurt you. Like, I don't want people to price things so low that I won't get the service I need or that, um, they're going to want to fire me as a client. So I think right. this idea of winning scenarios and relationship scenarios, um, you know, but firmly knowing what you want and setting guidelines is is key. And if you know what you want, you set guidelines. And I think, Jonathan, you've got to see this with people you talk to. You don't need to get emotional about things. No, it's not emotional at all. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about Look, I believe in win, win, win. That's a, I stole that from John Mackey, who's one of my mentors. He's started Whole Foods and the conscious capitalism movement. You know, everybody says win, win, but I think it's win, win, win. Um, and that means that everyone needs to walk away feeling good. In my industry, the challenge is the, the leverage, the 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 power, the all of those kinds of words. They they all fall on the landlord's side. They, the, the, everyone works for the landlords. Everyone's in bed with the landlords. So for us, our whole mission is to give, to empower tenants, to give them the tools and the strategies to stand up for themselves and not get raked over the coals when they go to lease or purchase a, a building, whether that's an office building, whether it's industrial space, whether it's a healthcare facility or retail space. These tenants are typically treated like fodder, right? They're fodder for landlords and brokers and architects and contractors. Everybody makes money on the backs of the person writing the checks every month for rent or their mortgage payment. And so we, you know, our, our, it's a little bit of a David and Goliath story, right? Our, our, our job is to, is to fight for the user and help them get the best terms. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean we're trying to take advantage of the landlord. It just means that we're trying to right the ship and make sure that we get a fair shake because typically they don't. So that's what's fun for me is helping sort of underserved company leaders take back control of their real estate process. Because if you think about it, real estate matters. It's the second or third largest expense. It's the least flexible. You can lay off people, but you aren't laying off a lease or a building that you own. And over half of corporate bankruptcies involve breaking some kind of lease. So for me, as a selfless leader, I want to make sure that I'm putting my people's needs first, my clients' needs first. And if I do that, I strongly believe, and I think proof in our success shows that it comes back and we have the success as well. I think you truly can have your cake and eat it too, but it requires a, a level of selflessness and patience that most people uh, choose not to have. Let's talk about the path of growing your business. Um, you, USA Today did 
list you as the commercial real estate disruptor. Um, and I know you have an international network that's that's quite far and wide, but but tell us a little bit about your your secrets to um, building your business and, and the way that your growth has happened. Yeah, thank you. I, I think it's really about of the, the we, we have 15 cooperating principles. It's a principle mission driven organization. So we hire that way, we manage that way, we we treat our clients and our people that way. Um, it, it, it's it is embedded in everything that we do. And so as a result, it keeps us true. Now, does that mean we're perfect? No. And we've made a lot of mistakes and some of the biggest challenges have been personnel related, right? Like I mentioned earlier is people that are misaligned and me trying to help rehabilitate them when what I really needed to do was help them exit. So we've learned a lot in our growth. Um, we've had some, you know, 9-11 happened before we started the company, but 2020 felt like 9-11 all over again. And um, I thought I was going to have to go maybe go get a job at Wendy's or something for a bit. But the, the markets come roaring back from a, from a uh, commercial real estate standpoint. And so we feel very blessed that, that we're in the position we're in. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you're a disruptor, and that was a very humbling, you know, designation, because I'm not, I'm not sure that, that I am that, but we certainly try to be, right? And our, and our focus is to try to do that by doing business differently, not being cutthroat, not being ruthless, uh, trying to help as many people as possible, trying to collaborate, try to try to be you know good with your competitors. All those things are things that we really aspire towards. And when you're the disruptor and you're so, sometimes it's lonely because there's not a lot of other people doing it, right? So yeah. it's been cool as we've matured and as if people really started resonating with the message and what we were up to, it's been cool to watch competitors lean in. Like, wow, we're actually having an impact. This is awesome. So you know, I have, I have, I have a vision. I have, a, I have a dream of a world where people selflessly help each other, regardless of personal gain, understanding that it's in their own personal best interest to do so. See, I believe that selflessness is selfish. I think the most self-interested strategy you can employ on Earth, if you want long-term success, is to be selfless and help and love as many people as possible. And every philosophy, every religion. Every every society has taught some version of that. But again, we come back to then why are we here in 2023 uh, with this still not being the case and ruthlessness still abounding? So we're, we, we, I, I consider us a small part of a growing movement to really help show that a different way is possible. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I think and I think it's the type of thing, Jonathan, like you said, and I, you're very humble in the words that you choose. It's it's a daily decision because as a leader, sometimes it's like, oh my Lord, I just can't take all these all these people who aren't falling in line or have all their own interests or aren't, you know, pulling the mission. And it's it is, it's a daily decision, I would assume, even even for you to um you know, stick to the principles that you are trying yeah, to. Yeah, and, 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 and I love that you said that, Allison. Think, can, I, can I riff on that real just mm -hmm. real quick? So we have this thing. It's not about perfection, right? I screw up all the time. Um, and it's, I'm the same with my kids. We have this line that says, when we miss the mark, we quickly clean it up. So that's what it's really all about, right? It's about how fast can you clean up your the mess you just made when you were dishonest, you know, my kids and 
have experienced that quite a bit. Um, when you, you know, you're late to a meeting, right? I was my first, I was late to this conversation, right? Cause I was coming off another meeting. It's like, it's like, it's not about perfection. It's about what, what, what do you want to do when you're, when you're not, when you're not in line with integrity, right? When you're not doing what you committed to be doing, how, how do you fix that? So as an organization, that's how we are too. If there's a humility that, that is pervasive in our organization because everyone's always willing to throw themselves on the sword, not because they want to, you know, they, they, they don't want to self mutilate, but what they do want to do is they want to show others that like that, that they're committed to, to, to doing better in the future. And I think that's the key as an organization, as a leader, as a community, if you're willing to raise your hand quickly when you screw up and said, man, I, I, I dropped the ball, you know, can I, we have a do-over. I deal with my wife. And sometimes I do things where I'm like, oh my gosh, I am a moron. We have a do-over because I, I, I want to try that one again, right? It's, it's, it's about this constant journey towards self-improvement, not about like, you know, this tit for tat. Well, you did this and I did that, or you're right and I'm wrong. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy into that nonsense. You know, I think one of the most valuable things out of all the kind of corporate training and stuff I've done across my career and years was still total quality management. And mm. I still, you know, embrace the 110, 100 rule and, and always teach totally. it to my staff. Like, are we fixing it at the one level? Are we fixing it at the 10 level? Are we fixing it at the 100 level? And and over the years, staff that's worked with me a long time, they have walked in my office and said, I'm so sorry, we're at a 100 level. And the other thing is teaching your 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 teams, right? is we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but please, when you bring the problem in, please bring with it two ideas, as you said, on how to clean it or fix it. Because if you come in and say, there's this, there's this mess that has happened or this undesirable situation with a client or customer and give me two ideas that you already have on how to fix it, I'm all in, I'm shoulder to shoulder with you and we're going to get it, we're going to get it fixed. Yeah. Don't bring me problems. Bring me solutions. Bring both. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So I like the idea though, that, um, that you've shared of if, if you miss the target, you know, kind of clean it, clean it up. Um, and because it's just going to happen, right. It's the nature of, of everything. There's always yeah. something, you know, some I that didn't get dotted or T that didn't get crossed or customer call that didn't get made. And, and we we started this saying, this conversation talking about, you know, being a business partner of choice and being somebody that trusts you. Um, so recovery is just as important in that because the errors will happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so true. Hey, can you give us an example of, um, you know, I know we've talked about, you shared some about your background, about starting in business, mm -hmm. thinking that you had to be ruthless, but for a general entrepreneur, somebody that's a founder that's starting to grow the business, what kind of either, I always talk, um, you know, naked truths, you know, hard, hard lessons learned, something that you find yourself encouraging other CEOs and business builders on the most? I think the, uh, the, uh, there's millions of those, right? But the one that, the one that I kind of go back to that's my default is just never quit. It's so easy to give up, you know, I, I love Winston Churchill for a lot of reasons, but you know, his speech of never, 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 ever, 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 ever give up is always resonated with me. It's, it's so many people stop because it gets hard and they don't know what to do. And I talk to my kids about this all the time. It's like, 
Uh, the other side of hard is outstanding, resounding success. And just most people don't stay in the game enough. I have a, a good friend who owns an insurance agency and he's wildly successful and self-admitted. He's not the smartest guy in the room. He's not the most talented guy in the room. And I, I remember when I first asked him, I said, what's the, you know, what's the secret to your success? And he said, everybody else quit. And I just kept slogging along. And one day I woke up, well, I woke up and, you know, I was, I, I was the guy. And, and I, I always remember that. So it's so easy to quit. So easy to throw in the towel. It's so easy to say this didn't work. How committed are you? When I commit to something until I accomplish it, I don't quit. And that means I accomplish what I want to accomplish because I don't give up. So as a leader, there's so many times when you're staring at the ceiling going, what the hell have I done? <laughs> you know, like, man, I could take it. I could have taken an easier path. But the reality is, is that, is that you're growing, you're growing yourself. And, you know, it, it, every day you get a little bit better and that helps you, you know, solve problems better. And over time you start to figure it out. And that, and that's, that to me is that if it, if everybody just stopped quitting all the time, as soon as things got tough, that uh, we'd have unbelievable success across the board and in, in for most people, you know? Absolutely. Last question for you, because this interview goes fast. Yep. Um, tell me about who your most trusted uh, partners are. You know, like you, we, you touched on being a CEO and doing what you're doing and being a disruptor can be a little, a little lonely. Yeah. Um, so where do you go for inspiration or who do you count on the most within uh, your Kaiser structure? Yeah. Well, I have an amazing team of partners here at the firm. So we're all very close and we work hand in hand. But for me, you know, I, I really enjoy my YPO group. So in, in that group, I have a, a forum of seven other people and, and we are all under strict confidentiality and we're all there as kind of a personal board of directors to help each other. And it's it's really encouraging. You know, sometimes you show up and you're on the top of the world and other times you show up with real challenges that you need to deal with. Um, and, and, and that for me is something that I think every leader should be in some sort of peer to peer group, because I just think there's so much, I've also done a lot of coaching. So I had, I had, I would say the best coach in the history of the world coach me and it, and it really helped me in so many, so many ways and that was, you know, that was the guy that I would go to for everything then. So I just think it's about the journey upwards and, and making sure you don't feel like you got to do it on your own because you don't. And it's a lot harder when you try and you're you're much less likely to to succeed because you have to learn everything through the school hard knocks versus learn from other people's failures. Yeah, 100%, 100% Jonathan, I completely agree with you. I'm a huge fan of executive coaching. I have this thing that I, I sometimes when I talk to other women and they're like, oh, I want to get my husband to go to counseling or therapy. And I'm like, you know, I think your husband needs an executive coach. I yeah. said, you have no idea how much. Um, and I don't mean to be gender specific there because it could be the other way around. Right. Um, but either way, you're right. I it, agree. It, it, because when you hit certain levels of business or certain levels of success, um, if you can't figure out how to get the business under control or, or can put parts of your life in containers, um, it's not going to be successful. Also, Jonathan, I'm sure you'd really also agree that whenever I go out and I speak, 
or whenever I do do coaching, it just makes me want to up my own personal game. It, it becomes very reflective. It's not so much about people, I think, have it wrong. Like they look at people who are authors like you, speakers like you. Um, I've done this and they think we do it kind of out of arrogance. And to be honest, it's it's almost like you do it because it helps keep you in check. Like 100%. Because I have to live what I'm telling other people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, if people wanted to learn more, um, connect with you, pick up the book, where should they go and what should they do? Uh, Kaiser.com, K-E-Y-S-E-R.com. Through there, you can get to anything. Also, the book, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win, is available on Amazon. So both of those are are probably the easiest way for people to, um, to get in touch with us. And again, the idea is... What if, just as a possibility, my book title was accurate? What if you didn't have to be ruthless to win? What if you could create extraordinary success for yourself and those that you care about by helping as many people as possible? That's what I do. That's what I believe is the the, the best kept secret in the world. And uh, I invite anyone and everyone to join me in this fantastic journey. Thanks so much, Jonathan. I appreciate what you said about creating extraordinary success, not only for yourself, but those around you. Um, So to our listeners, if Jonathan said something you think somebody else needs to hear, pass along a copy of this episode. If there is a disruptive CEO that you think we need to speak with, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until we speak again, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Thanks again, Jonathan. Thank you. 49 faces look to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.